Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When we see the term, the Lord God, we don't just see, okay, well, the Lord, you know, the authoritative one, God. No, we don't see it that way. We see the Lord Jesus Christ now as the caller and the sender of Moses. And so from here on out, the Lord God means that we see the authority by which Moses spoke, and, and that authority came from the Lord Jesus Christ. So from here on out, when we see the Lord God, we see Moses was coming to Israel in Jesus' name. And so from here on out, the title of the Lord God makes everything change for us in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is not just some old, dusty, historical piece of parchment that maybe had some, that had some relevance thousands of years ago. We're reading history and we're falling asleep. It's not that at all, because we see that in the book of Exodus, it's all about our Savior. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything now changes in the book of Exodus because of this term, the Lord God, which we've seen in the past here. In John 5:39, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a directive for how we are to study the scriptures. And at that time, the scriptures were the Old Testament scriptures. And what he said is so vitally important for us to get our arms around. He said, search the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So because the book of Exodus is part of what he was talking about, we could restate that verse in John 5:39 to read, search the book of Exodus, for in the book of Exodus you think you have eternal life, and they, and the book of Exodus itself, is that which testifies of me. So by seeing in verse 15 that the Lord God refers to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's made the book of Exodus very, very different for us. Because now we see it's our Savior. It's the one who saved us from going to hell by dying for our sins. It's the one who we pray to all the time. It's the one who we confess our sins to for daily cleansing. He is the one who we depend on daily so that through him we can do all things. He is the one we worship as God. He is the one who is our life. He is the one who is sending 
who was calling and sending Moses to Israel. He's the one behind the book of Exodus. And we saw all that from that simple title in verse 15, the Lord God. And that term just stuns us into a realization that the book of Exodus is all about him. It's never be the same after that. The book, the sending of Moses was by the Lord God, Jehovah of Elohim, very important to us. Now, because it is showing us that the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that there's one person who steps out, so to speak, and speaks to man. That's God the Son, that's Jehovah, that's the Lord God, that's the Jehovah of the Elohim. So he, God the Son, or the Jehovah, is the one who is coming out, and he's speaking with us. That, the, the fact that he's speaking with us is why he is called this name in John 1.1, which is so important when it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The term, the Word, the Word, what does Word mean? We know what Word means. Word, we read words, we communicate by words. When we don't understand a word, we go to the dictionary to find out what it means because word is the medium, it's the method, it's the way of communication. So the term word means communication. I'm communicating to you right now through words. You understand what I'm saying through my words. The term, why? Because the term word, speaking of all words, words means communication. So of the three in the Godhead, in the Elohim Godhead, it's the one, God the Son, or Jehovah, who communicates for God to man. That's why he said in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, all things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him or will disclose him or will communicate him. That's why he's called the Word. John 1.18, he says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. How does a person declare? Through words. How does a person proclaim? Through words. How does a person communicate? Through words. He's the word. And so when, we, so when he came here to earth as a man, he spoke more directly to the people than he had in the past. And that's why in Hebrews 1, the, big, the book begins in Hebrews 1, 1, say, explaining to us that God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. So this is the great knowledge that we get from these, these three words, the Lord God, it's Jehovah, it's Jehovah Jesus, it's Jehovah God the Son of the Elohim. He's the one referred to in verse 15, as, and, and it brings out this meaning when he says, the Lord God of your fathers. That means that it was Jehovah, or God the Son, or Jehovah Jesus of the Elohim that was the God of Abraham. That means that it was Jehovah, or God the Son of, uh, of the Elohim, that was the God of Isaac. That means that it was Jehovah, or God the Son of the Elohim, that was the God of Jacob. 
And so that just makes everything come alive in a new way because then we can say, oh, it was the Lord Jesus Christ who was Abraham's God and he's my God. Oh, it was the Lord Jesus Christ who was Isaac's God and he's my God. Oh, it was the Lord Jesus Christ who was Jacob's God and he's my God. So as far as verse 15 goes, we can say it was the Lord Jesus Christ who was Moses' God and my God. Now, in verse 15, we see that God told Moses that he was to tell the Jewish people that he had chosen a name. This is a momentous thing. God says he's chosen a name, he's chosen a name here. Now, when you think about that, choosing a name, uh, for the most part, we don't get to choose our name. At birth, we're given a name by our parents, that's our name. Usually, parents choose a name for their child based on how they want the child to be, to come out. So our son and his wife, they chose the name Grace for their daughter because they wanted, they wanted their daughter to be gracious. So they chose the name Grace. Okay, my wife and I, we chose the name David for our son because we wanted our son to be loved, as the word David means, beloved. And at the time that a parent chooses a name, he's really projecting a vision for how he wants or how they want their child to be. So at the choosing of a name, parents are really expressing a hope. You know, we hope that the child becomes gracious. So we name her Grace. And they're really describing how they want the child to become. It's a really a solemn thing to choose a name because that's how they want the person to, to, to turn out. So they're gonna say you all the time, you're gonna be called this because that's the way we want you to be. Some people don't like the name that was given to them at birth, and so they change it. But most of us have the name that, we're, that was given to us, and we don't change it. But here in verse 15, we see that God has chosen a name for himself. And with the choosing of this name, God is saying, this is how I am. I want you to call me this name because this describes who I am. So this is a great thing. So what we have in here in verse 15 is God choosing a name for himself, but it's really, it's God opening up his heart to us. It's God disclosing himself to us. It's giving us the opportunity to know God when he tells us what his name is. And he tells us that his name that he's chosen for himself, and so what he's really doing is he's saying, I want you to learn about me. I want you to know me, so I'm gonna tell you the name that I have chosen for myself. This is the name that I've chosen for myself. Now, we would have thought that, you know, that maybe God would have chosen some great lofty name for himself. Maybe God would have chosen for himself the name the king of the universe or the creator of all things or the Lord of all, I mean, those are nice, lofty names, very nice. They speak about God in his grandeur, they speak about God in his great power, they speak about God in his authority, and, and those are names for God. But here, in verse 15, we don't see God saying, my name is the king of the universe, and don't any one of you let ever forget it. We don't see him doing that. But the name of God that he has chosen for us is the God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I mean, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, these aren't people who are in a vacuum. We have a history about them in the book of Genesis, and they were sinners. They were mere sinners. They were weak. They were needy men. And so when we hear God say that his name is going to be associated with these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we feel like rushing into God and saying, wait, 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 Lord, just a minute. If you don't mind, let me just give you at least my opinion on this, Lord. Lord, this is a little hasty to make your name to be associated with those men. I mean, I like, there's nothing wrong. I don't like, I like Abraham, I like Isaac, I like Jacob, what's not to like? But for you to make your name, you're God. And for you to make your name associated with those needy men, that's, you're too big for that. You're just, you're far above those men. You don't really want your name to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Lord, maybe you'd like to just reconsider. Just think it over and maybe substitute that name instead of being so specific with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because we know their particular shortcomings, falls, sins, whatever you want to call it. Lord, why don't you just call yourself the God of all men? That'd be better, don't you think, God? Just be better. But Lord, not a name like being the God of such an unimpressive men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's too demeaning of you, Lord, to have a name like that. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And in verse 15, there's absolutely no suggestion of all, at all of a second thought with God. It's as if God would reply to us when we'd say that, we said that to him, it's as if God would say to us, no, I've thought it through very carefully, very carefully, thank you very much, and I'm resolved, I'm determined, I've made my mind up that the name that I've chosen for myself will be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's the name I've chosen for myself, that's where it stands. We walk away, we scratch our heads, and we ask ourselves the question, why? Why did God choose for his name to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? And the reason we ask the question is because when we take a little time, we sit there and we take a little time, we go back to Genesis, we read Genesis, and what do we see in Abraham? Oh, what we see in Abraham, we see a man who was fearful, he was afraid. He was afraid for his protection, and he was afraid for how he was going to be taken care of, his future. A man we see in, we see in Abraham, a man who in Genesis 15, 1, God had to reassure and said, wait, Abraham, wait. And he says in Genesis 15, 1, fear not, Abram. Fear not, Abram. Why? He's afraid. Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield. What's he afraid of? His protection and thy exceeding great reward. In other words, is provision. So we look and we, we look in, in, in further in, in Genesis and we see, boy, this is a man who because he was so afraid that he would be killed, this, is, this supposition comes to his mind that he's gonna be killed for his wife's sake and really there was no indication of that before but he, he just gets his fear, just grips him, paralyzes him and he's gonna be killed because his wife is so beautiful 
And so what does he do? He lies not once, but twice. And he gets his wife to lie as well and to say that she's only a sister. Puts his wife in great jeopardy. She gets taken, why? Fear, a man of fear. And what do we see in Isaac? Well, the, 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 the record that we see in Isaac is we've got a record of a coddled mama's boy. That's what we see in Isaac, he's a, he's a mama's boy. He's a backboneless, weak man who when the Philistines came and filled up his wells, which he needs for life, the water, and he feed the water, 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 and he fills, the, the, the Philistines come and they fill it up with dirt. And so what does he do? Does he stand up and, and say, you're not doing that, and dig and clean out his wells and, and, and go and, and take a stand against the filthy? No! We don't see that. We see a backboneless, weak man who runs away. I don't want anything to do with conflict. Oh, take the wells. Now, that's not impressive. What do we see in Jacob? Oh, Jacob. Whew. Boy, Jacob. This is a conniver of connivers. A man who was a conniver who waits for his brother Esau to be so hungry for food that he takes advantage of him and he says, sell me your birthright and he does that. That's what we've got here in, 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 uh, in Jacob. We've got this person who's a conniver, a man who is not just a conniver, but he's a deceiver. He lies to his own father. He deceives his own father with the hair we won't talk about Rebecca now, but anyway, with the hair from the goats and the smell to be like Esau, and he comes and says, I am Esau. He lies to his own father and tells him he's his Esau. Why? Because he wants to cake. He wants to trick his father into giving him the blessing that his father intended only to give to Esau. That's who we see in, these, in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a fearful man and a coddled, weak man, backboneless, and a conniving, deceptive man. Not a very impressive group of people, Lord. So our question is, why would God wanna be called the God of Abraham? Why does God wanna be called the God of a fearful man? Our question is, why would God wanna be called the God of Isaac? Why would God wanna be called the God of a backboneless, coddled, weak man? Why would God wanna be called the God of Jacob? Why would God wanna be called the God of a conniving, deceptive man? We say, no, Lord, no. Your name should not reference people who were fearful, backboneless, coddled, weak, conniving, and deceptive. Your name should reference men who were fearless, who were strong, who were brave, who were truthful, who were honest men. You should not be called the God of the fearful, backboneless, coddled, weak, conniving, deceptive. You should be called the God of the fearless, strong, brave, and truthful men. So we say, Lord, you sure you really want to choose to have your name be associated with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do you really want to do that? And then we notice four words in verse 14, 15, where it says, And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name. 
forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Those four words, this is my name. With those four words, we realize that God has made his choice. It's not up for discussion, as far as God is concerned. It's not up for debate. He certainly, there's no doubt associated with it. God has stated with those words, this is my name, that it is a decision that's made, it's, it's done. And he says, write it down if you want. My name is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So with those words in verse 15, this is my name, we step back and we say, okay, okay, but why? Why? Why in the world would God want to, to choose for his name to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? And then we step back and we say to God, Lord, if you want to have your name be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, why not just have the name for a limited amount of time? I mean, after all, Lord, you are eternal. You just told us you are the I am. You are the God of eternity past. You are the God of eternity future. And these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they lived on earth for an infinitesimal, limited amount of time. So Lord, why don't you just have that name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob just be for a limited amount of time. How about a set amount of time and you have the name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then after the time, then you don't have it anymore. And then the answer comes to us in two little words in verse 15 where again we read, Thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. So the two words, forever, God replies, no. It's not going to be a temporary name for me. No, this is my name forever. And so then we say, why? We don't get it, why? Why would God wanna have the name of the, of the fearful Abraham, the God of the, of the fearful Abraham, the God of the backboneless, coddled, weak Isaac, the God of the conniving, deceptive Jacob? Why would he want that name for all eternity? And the answer tells us so much about who God is. The answer makes us say, Michael, Michael, or in the Hebrew, Michael, Michael. Me in, in Hebrew is the word who. So, and El is the word God. So Michael, or Michael, means who is God? Or who is like God? He, who is so great as God is? Who is so amazing, certainly is amazing, we've gotten that part right. Who is so amazing as God? Who is so stunning as God? Michael is a term of worship, intelligent worship. It's like the word hallelujah, which is, means praise God, praise the Lord. So it's a, it's a term of intelligent worship. Intelligent because we look we think, we find out, we understand with our intelligence. So why would God want his name to be forever the God of the fearful Abraham, the God of the backboneless, coddled weak, coddled weak Isaac, the God of the conniving, deceptive Jacob? Why? Because in 
Jehovah Jesus, the lost, fearful Abraham became the saved, brave Abraham who offered his only son without fear because he was fully persuaded in God's ability to give life to the dead. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing.